I will be very conscious of our time this morning because of what we want to do. And I'm, I'm about to say at the very outset that I'm quite sure that I will not finish the message prepared this, for this morning, but it will be finished next week. So I'll give you part one this morning and, Lord's willing, part two next week. Will you take your Bibles, please, and turn to the seventh chapter of the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Uh, for those who are visiting with us, we're going through this book, which is a book dealing with man's search for meaning, for direction, for purpose. He's trying to find out who he is. What is it that makes life meaningful and livable? And last week we looked at the fact that God is sovereign. That means that God is able to do whatever he wants to do. And that frightens us. Because if God is a sovereign God, what, what would happen if God is like some of the leaders we know? What if God was like Idi Amin? What if God was like Joseph Stalin? When we say God is sovereign, it means that God is above all. And if he's above all, then he can do what he wants. And, and he's trying to deal with this. How do we come to grips with the fact that we live in a world like the one we live in, where we see things and we don't understand them? But when you get to chapter 7, chapter 7 is dealing with, with one of the themes of this book, the theme of wisdom. There are Proverbs, Psalms, Job, Song of Solomon. They're called wisdom book, uh, books because the reason for that is what these books do is that they look at life not as the way I want life to be. They look at life as it is and says, how can I live in spite of the way life is? You remember when um, Attorney General um, Robert Kennedy was running for president. I remember watching him on television, and, and I will never forget the words he used, and I don't know uh, who's responsible for them, but he was repeating them. Some men see life as it is and say, Why? I see life as it can be and ask, why not? So this, 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 is, this is this man. He sees life. And he says, there's something other than what I am going through. Life could not. No, no. As David Hume, the philosopher, says, I could not see in this world any reason for purpose. Everything I see contradicts my reasoning capacity to say, this is the way things ought to be. Well, the wisdom books give us the ability and the insight in how to respond to this sense of despair, this sense of meaninglessness. Vanity, vanity, says the writer. And I will look at that this morning. We are going to look at, in, even though we are looking at um, Proverbs, uh, Ecclesiastes 7, verse 12, 
The first part of this message is taken from the 8th chapter of the book of Proverbs because they are related and they deal with wisdom as it is there. For example, in Proverbs, in Ecclesiastes, I'm sorry, Ecclesiastes 7 verse 12, we read this. Wisdom is protection just as money is protection. Wisdom is protection just as money is protection. But the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom preserves the life of its possessors. Uh, if, if you look at that, you, you, can, you can have money and you can have wisdom. And both of them operate in certain uh, um, areas of our lives. But one can do what the other doesn't do, even though there are commonalities with both of them. And as, as I think of that, I, I think of, of Whitney Houston. She had the money, but the money didn't, possess, didn't protect her life. I think of Michael Jackson. They had the money, but it didn't protect their life. And I can go on and on, as we know all too well. But what I want to do with wisdom this morning for the time that I will take is to talk about the origin of wisdom. Where does it come from? How does one attain, or does one attain wisdom? If you would, would take a, a stroll through a bookstore, as I do several times, whether Christian or non-Christian, you will discover that the vast majority of books that you will find in a bookstore are self-help books. How? How? They scarcely deal with the why. They deal with the how. And this is how you fix your life. This is how you fix your marriage. This is how you fix your business. This is how you fix your community. On and on it goes. Self-help books, whether Christian or non-Christian. Because we are all looking for something that we can, we can put our feet on and feel that we are secure. Everybody wants that, whether we're rich or poor, educated or uneducated. And so this morning, what I want to do is to deal with wisdom from the standpoint of the fact that wisdom is not something that we acquire in college. Uh, my mother, who lived until she was 90, had a grade three education, but she was not a knowledgeable woman as she was a wise woman. She was wise because she was able to look at life and say, and her, almost to her dying words to my sisters in Chicago, the Lord's told me when your father died, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. And she lived with that, and it guided her entire life that she was able to see her children and grandchildren and share with them. She was a wise, wise woman. Of course, I want to suggest to you that her wisdom used to drive me crazy as a, as a, as a, as a, as a boy. She would quote passages from Ecclesiastes. I was not a believer then. And I used to say, what in the world has that to do with where, what we're going through now? I now know. I now know. So we want to look at the existence of wisdom. The existence of wisdom. Where does it come from? Turn with me, please, to Proverbs chapter 8. And Proverbs is just a book before Ecclesiastes, so you don't have to go too far. 
Proverbs chapter 8. Because if you are to understand what the Bible is all about, you've got to understand what God is saying about himself. So we read in Proverbs 8, verse 22. The Lord possessed me, he's talking of wisdom. Wisdom is personified here. Wisdom is, is seen as a person talking. And it is saying something to us. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way, before his work of old. From everlasting I was established. From the beginning from the earliest times of the earth, when there were no depth, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills, I was brought forth. While he had not yet made the earth and the fields, nor the first dust of the world, when he established the heavens, I was there. When he inscribed a circle around the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above. Where does wisdom come from? Listen to what the Bible teaches. It teaches that wisdom predates time. Wisdom predates time. Aristotle. And I'm thinking which one I should use apart from Aristotle because we can use the big three, Socrates, Aristotle, and Plato, and we always use these because these are the ones that people use. But there are others who have tried to put together some system by which mankind can live one with another. Aristotle is, 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 is uh, responsible for this. He, he said the reason we need justice is because we're not all friends. So he's saying that something is wrong. There is something within you and me that calls for our personal independence. And if we are to live peaceable, un in unity with one another, what is it that will, will help us? And so we need wise people, but where do they get wisdom from? The Lord possessed me. That is, that wisdom is a part of the character and the attribute of God. Before there was a world, wisdom existed because it existed in God. Before there was a universe, wisdom existed because it existed in God. Before you were born, before I was born, we will find later on, wisdom existed because it existed in God. So we cannot go back to a time and say this was when wisdom was discovered in the world. That will not do. Because when we think of wisdom, as we will define it in a few minutes, that which is true of God alone, we will not find it with any human being, not even in my mother who was a wise woman. So it predates time. In Daniel chapter 2, verse 20, he says, Wisdom belonged to God. In Psalm 147, verse 5, his understanding is infinite. There is no limit to the wisdom of God. And when we try to put God into a little box where we understand God, it is not the God of the Bible. 
It is not the God of our father, the, the, the God of our fathers, if you please, even of this great land. So wisdom then was seen in God's creative mode. We shall find that out in a minute. It took a wise God to make a world like the one we live in, as we shall see momentarily. So wisdom is a divine attribute. But there's something else we find. In Romans chapter 11, verse 33, it says this, All the depth, both of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. You and I can never put God into some mathematical equation and say this represents God. Ha, I, had, uh, I heard someone speaking the other day when he was in seminary. They asked him to write a paper and the paper was supposed to consist of this. Define God and give two examples. Now, now, isn't that an assignment? Define God. How can you define infinity? How can you define transcendence? How can you define someone that is not definable? My friends, when we come to worship, please listen. When we come to worship, we come to try to comprehend the incomprehensible. When we come together to talk about love the scripture says the love of God is past finding out anything that is true of God is beyond you and me it takes his revelation for us to get to know it that's the only way we can so the wisdom of God is a divine attribute the wisdom of God is an exclusive attribute Romans chapter 16 verse 27 says, God is the only wise God. And you know, I don't have time to go through all the examples that I have here. So I'll just read what A.W. Tozer says about wisdom. Listen to this. Here's what we talk about when we talk about the wisdom of God. Wisdom is the ability to devise perfect ends and achieve those ends with perfect means. Wisdom sees the end from the beginning so that there can be no guess or conjecture. Wisdom sees everything in focus, each in its proper relationship to all, and is able to work in predestined goals with flawless precision. Listen to what the text says. Psalm 139 says this. You saw my form before I was born. And in your books, all are written. Yeah, you know, let me, let me tell you what I mean by that. Samira said that she wanted to go to Chicago. And, and, and I know how much she wanted because we talked about that. But she's ending up in Spokane. Now, is anyone here from Spokane? All right. Spokane. I've driven through Spokane. It's quite a place. Now, why is she going to Spokane instead of Chicago? 
Please listen, friends. All of that were written in God's book before Samaria was born. The DNA of her journey was actually the print in God's annals in heaven. Oh, I tell you, the application of that is so great. It's beyond imagination. But to know, you know, my son is, is, is our son is waiting right now to hear about a job he applied for in, in Seattle. And, and he hasn't heard a thing. And the greatest, the greatest joy that his mother and I have is to know that all of that were written in God's books before he was even thought of. And, and, and with precision, God is going to work everything because he's a wise God who is directing our path. He's a God who knows the end from the beginning. <laughs> you know, I remember the first school I went to. When I, when, I, when I left Central America, it was 65 degrees above and we were freezing. 65. The first day I got to Calgary... It was 22 degrees below zero. Snow, snow, snow. I said to people, I was the only legitimate one who could sing, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. Because we didn't have snow where I was born. And I, I remember the first night I landed there, I saw all these new faces, all the snow. It didn't stop. This was in February, started in, in, uh, in um, November, started off and on and on, but it doesn't stop, it just keeps on snowing. And that night I went to the phone, and I, I, I said to the operator, you know, in those days, you call the operator and then they tell you what you're supposed to do. So I called the operator, I said, can you tell me what it would cost to make a long-distance call from Three hills in Alberta to Belize in Central America. She said, just a moment, please. And she said, $12 for the first minute and $3 for every minute after that. I said, thank you very much. <laughs> you know what, what I learned then? Is that long before I entered there, God had written my life in his book. Long before I was there. That gives comfort, friends. It, it saves one from, from having to wonder about his or her life. It, it's not that I don't think. It's not that I don't work. But by, by recognizing that when I surrender to God, when Jesus Christ becomes my Savior and I live in, in, in obedience to Him, God orders my life and what He had written long before I was born is worked out so that at the end, I will look back and I'll be able to say, this is the Lord's doing and it's marvelous in my eyes. The wisdom of God. God's wisdom is infinite. It can take care of you wherever you go. Uh, let me close with this one point. Wisdom is, is perceived in our experience and our, 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 our our 
um, and, uh, existence. It is perceived. Look at Proverbs 3, 9, 19. Proverbs 3.19 says this. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding he established the heavens. The Lord by wisdom. In other words, the psalmist is saying it took a wise God to, to create a universe like the one we live in. Three ways by which God expresses wisdom for us to see it. In creation, in creation, just think, my friends, of this world in which we live. One of my favorite men is, is Dr. John Polkenhorne, brilliant, brilliant quantum phys physicist from Cambridge. He, he, was, he, was a, he was the head of quantum math mathematics in, at Cambridge University. Brilliant, brilliant mind. And he left, he left his post as the president of that college to become a pastor. And he was trying to explain to others, why are you going to leave your scientific world to go into a religious world? And this is what he says. Because true religion and true science never contradict each other. We have a world that is ordered so that the scientists can can examine and test and experiment whatever he does but he is depending upon the order and who made the order friends who put everything in place so that we are able to say when this takes place this takes place do you recall when the astronauts got in space and they looked down from from the moon down on earth, what were the first words they uttered? In the beginning, God. See, wisdom is all over the place for us to see. When we look at our world, we see wisdom. When we look at our, our structure as human beings, we see wisdom. Dr. Paul Brand who wrote with Phil Yancey that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Dr. Brand talks about the bones, the, the bone cells. Listen to what he says. In studying the human body, especially bone cells, Dr. Brand says this, bone cells live in a rigid structure that exudes strength. They cut in cross sections, bones resembling uh, tree rings, that's T-R-E-E, overlapping strength with strength, offering implacability and sturdiness. In contrast, skin cells form undulating pattern of softness and texture that rise and dip, giving shape and beauty to our bodies. They curve and jut at unprecedented angle. Unpredict, I'm sorry, unpredictable angle so that every person's fingerprint, not to mention his or her face, is unique. When we look at ourselves, God made me the way I am. He made you the way you are. And it took his wisdom to do in you and in me what he's doing. 
And we can be confident that God did not make any mistake because wisdom never has to say, oops. God's wisdom, my friends, is final. There's no need for correction. And what we need to do is to learn how he relates to us, how he has come to us, and how we can go to him in order that we might be able to say what Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Listen, and he will direct your path. That's the kind of wisdom I want to trust. Not the wisdom coming out of some places that I know. (laughs) Some places that you know. I am thankful on the one hand that God is sending some of our young people to places to get prepared to take that kind of a wisdom in the world in which they will live. And may they not fail because we fail May they succeed because we were faithful in praying for them and believing that God's wisdom is that reservoir from which they draw for their lives and God's purpose. Let's pray. Lord, we have just touched the surface. There's so much of this this great, great privilege to understand where wisdom comes from. It is something we need to live to know how to live with one another. We need wisdom. To know how the world operates, we need wisdom. Yet the scripture says wisdom scream at us from all over the place. We see it in creation. We see it when we look in the mirror. Help us from this day on not to despise what we see because what we see is what God has made. And when we, when we truly, when we truly surrender to Christ, we can see a different image in the mirror than when we're not surrendered to him. May the Holy Spirit finish what I have started and Father, may he finish giving victory to those who surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in whose name I pray, amen.